chapter 7, Jesus went in secret to the festival, the festival, y'all, secretly because everyone seems to know that the Jewish leaders are trying to kill Jesus, which is interesting to me. I I meant to mention this before, but here's the cultural environment that everyone knows they're trying to kill Jesus. It seems to be common knowledge, and that doesn't seem to be a a big surprise to anybody. Like, oh, there's a guy they're trying to kill this week. Um, So before, you know, when John the Baptist was saying, hey, if you're a tax collector, don't, don't extort money and only take what's yours. And if you're a centurion, don't, don't oppress people. And you're like, okay, was that, is that like something that needed to be said? You, you tell somebody not to oppress people. Yeah. They're trying to kill Jesus here. And, uh, he's at the festival halfway through. He starts teaching and controversy builds around who Jesus is. The crowds are divided, right? Um, the hang up is, but where's he from? Uh, the whispers in the crowd are right on. Will the Messiah do more signs than this guy? Right? Uh, and when the Pharisees hear that, they send guards to arrest him. Um, <clears throat> on the last and greatest day, he says, whoever believes in him will have rivers of living water flow from within them, just as the scripture said. Um, and so this pushes the crowds even further to where they they have to draw some kind of conclusion. Um, that And most of them, some of them say, surely this man is the prophet. Others say he's the Messiah. So uh, that brings us up to where we left off. We'll pick up in chapter 7, verse 45, after we uh, go to God in prayer. If you'll pray with me. Holy God, our Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, your servant, uh, John, writing this down for us so that we may believe uh, that we may have life and eternal life. Thank you, God, for the time that we have tonight to meditate on your word. Help us to do so in a way um, that is reverent toward you. And that seeks to grow in our knowledge and understanding and our our ability to remember all the things that you've given us. Thank you for Jesus and for um, his life, his teachings, uh, and his death and resurrection. And we pray all this in his name. Amen. Okay, so if you'll stand up, let's read starting in John 7. Verse 45. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he's deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted. Have any of the rulers or of of the Pharisees believed in him? No. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, 
Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. All right, you can be seated. Okay, so um, what happened there? What stood out to you? If I don't see you, just start talking. Yeah, Alan. Sure, yeah. The the fact that the people of influence that set the tone for everyone, that they don't understand, they're not accepting Jesus, would definitely be pressure and, you know, make you think twice before um, buying into this, right, Stephanie? Right, yeah. So the guards go, they are so impressed that they don't even arrest him, right? What What else did you notice about their uh, impression of Jesus? Um, so further on down, um, they say, doesn't he need to come from Bethlehem? So they know the prophecy that the Messiah will come from Bethlehem, but Bethlehem is in Judea, south of Jerusalem. Um, and Nazareth is in Galilee up in the north, um, so I, I think uh, that's, that's one of the, the reasons. Um, any, any other thoughts on that? Why they would be so skeptical of Galilee? Chris? Don't they, don't they like, make fun of them at some other points? Like, you're from Galileans or whatever. They're uneducated and stuff like that. It's part of it. The fact that they think it's coming from Bethlehem. <clears throat> But they contradict themselves a couple times in this. It's like, uh, you know, all these ignorant common people, none of, none of the leaders or rulers have, have believed in him, and then they turn to Nicodemus. <coughs> right. <laughs> One of them. The other thing is they say, they're as if they're saying, it's not possible for a prophet to come out of Galilee. And again, they're supposed to be the teachers of the law, and that's not true. Because there were prophets that came out of the <laughs> That's you know, true, right? Good, yeah. Yeah, Bob? Chris, Chris mentions Nicodemus, who has met with Jesus already in uh, chapter 3, and who also has involvement after his death uh, in his burial. Uh, but he stands up somewhat, but he's probably also afraid of the rulers. 
so everything's kind of on the QT, but asking them to at least offer honest judgment. Right, yeah, it seems really ironic that one of their uh, proofs about Jesus not being the Messiah is that none of the rulers believe in him, and there's a guy sitting right there in their midst, one of them, that came and said, good teacher, you're a rabbi, and is interested in what Jesus has to say. So, uh, and ends up, it seems like even after his death, he... Uh, takes care of Jesus to some degree. So, yeah, other thoughts, Micah? Jen, it, it stands out to me as something for us to be mindful of that they automatically assume that they are right. right. And logically, the, the conclusion would be that Jesus must be wrong, or that Nicodemus is wrong in what he, what he says. And so... As much as I'd like to condemn these Pharisees, I sometimes have to check myself to see if I would be in there. Do I always assume that I am right? Right, good, yeah. So there is a... <clears throat> pride goes before the fall, right? So there is a, 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 a level of arrogance here that we are right, so therefore you must be wrong. I did just notice, it's in chapter 7, just before this, verse 42... Um, and verse 41 says, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided uh, because of Jesus. Uh, Tony? Um, I took that as sarcastic, but I'm not sure. Like, what, are you from Galilee now too? You're on board with the Galileans? Let's check your card and see, see if you, where's, what's your birthplace, you know? But I don't know. Any other thoughts? Yeah, Nina? Jonah came from Gethsemane in Galilee. <laughs> Jonah came from Galilee. Good. Good. And Another prophet from, okay. Right, yeah. John? Right, they probably watched NASCAR there too. <laughs> right, right. Yep. Good. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I wonder how much stigma there was. Um, left over from the divided kingdom where Judah in the south Judea in the south that's where Jerusalem was and they were worshipping the right way and everybody in the north was worshipping the wrong way the golden calves are up there they're not coming to Jerusalem they got their own temples they got their own priests and it's an abomination to God and that's why God drove them away and where's Jesus from? he's from the north right? He's he's one of them Yankees up there Right? So we don't trust anybody from there. Carrie?
Well, yeah. So I think you get a, a glimpse into their perspective on the crowd. The bunch of dummies, they don't know the law, and they're cursed, right? So here's how the elitists viewed the mob. They're ignorant, cursed people. Um, but yet they seem to have the same um, arguments going in between them in the, among themselves that the leaders do. Other thoughts? They once again condemn themselves because they are the teachers of the law. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If they're the teachers of the law, then why don't your constituents know the law? Right. Good. Okay. So um, let's let's talk a little bit about moving into chapter eight. Um, I asked you to look into the first 11 verses, the story of the adulterous uh, woman that was brought to, to Jesus. What did you guys find out in your your research? I know you guys took that seriously and spent every waking moment trying to figure that out. Yeah, Chris? It's, it's not in the earliest manuscripts. Right, yeah. For several years, probably 30, 40 years, I think. I think probably longer than that. What I saw was the earliest manuscript was dated around 380 AD. Um, so we have the manuscripts P66 and P75. It's not in there. <clears throat> Those date to like 150 AD. The Codex Vaticanus and the Codex Sinaiticus are about 350 330 to 350 AD is when those manuscripts were written and they're complete uh complete copies of the new testament and it's not in, in in those it's not until again probably around 380 to 400 ad when the first manuscript has that in it there's a couple other things in some other manuscripts it's found in different chapters and in different books right sometimes it's found in luke right yeah so it's only about five percent of manuscripts have it in a different place like having in Luke or in a different spot in John. Most of them have it here, like 90% of them have it in this spot. But yeah, you're right. It kind of jumps around a little bit. <clears throat> yeah. So even with like with the P66 and all, there also is a gap showing markings. So it may have been something known of. I believe Augustine also wrote Okay, gotcha. Uh, it's not in early. It's not in the earliest Greek manuscripts like B sixty six. It is in some very early Latin manuscripts. Um, so, like, there, there still is some debate about about that. I know most uh, scholars, biblical scholars today, don't think it was part of the original. But again, that's still speculative. Right. Right, so just in case you couldn't hear Tony, uh, some people say, well, the reason it's not in those early manuscripts is because it was ripped out or it was removed. Um, and I think I, from what I could... Most, most of those that don't have, the, the early Greek manuscripts are all, I believe, aren't they all Alexandrian? Uh, 
Yeah, should so I think that's yeah. That's you know from like an Egyptian portion of the Roman Empire, as opposed to like the Byzantine. You know, there's issues with them having them later because early ones would have been destroyed during the Persian. Is it uh, is it Diocletian or uh, I can't remember which one? Which empire? Uh, okay. But, you know, there's just you're out of my depth here. It could have been removed from those of the Alexandrian. Right. Uh, and that's why you only have later ones being in the desert. Things be drier. They, they preserve mummies there. They don't preserve them. You know, maybe up in other uh, weather climates. Uh, and so there's just a lot of speculation of why. Sure, why sure. Be there, but also that it's not there to uh, The majority of text, though, does include And I know that that's not an answer from majority, but also just that uh, it, it's been included in most, most scriptures for over a thousand years or more. Yes, yes, and part of that can be too because we didn't have those manuscripts until pretty recently. Yeah. Um, so um, just because it's been included for a thousand years, that's because our oldest manuscript was only a thousand years old, and when we found one older, it didn't include it. So again, these are uh, this is you could you can spend a lot of time um, <clears throat> on this. Some people say that there's a little bit different style of writing in in the the Greek um, that it's just the way it's it's done is just a little bit different. Um, so um, so yeah, I, I think uh, I think a lot of people feel like this should not be in the scriptures. I think a lot of scholars would. Um, argue that so um, but so let's I don't we have so much here that we need to get to that now that I'm, I can see everyone has researched this well what did stand out to you in those in that story with the adulterous woman <clears throat> so backing off of the textual criticism and back into the, the actual content of the story. Yeah, Micah. It stands out to me that they don't really seem interested in justice or righteousness. I mean, they bring this adulterous woman, they don't bring an adulterous man along with, with her. So. Right, yeah. Yeah, so it, it states that the reason they did this is because, not because they were really concerned about adultery, but because they wanted to try and catch Jesus in something, right? And you can see that evidenced by the fact that it takes two to tango and they were, there was only one brought to Jesus, right? Good. Yeah, Micah? That Jesus doesn't condemn her. Okay, yeah. Jesus doesn't condemn her. And what do you think he means by that? I don't condemn you. He, that, he's cool with that? He's cool with adultery? Alan? Okay, so maybe a lack of evidence. Okay. <clears throat> what else? Yeah, Leanne and then Nina. Good, good. So um, Leanne was saying that He's just saying, I'm not condemning you to death at this moment, right? 
I, I'm not there. They brought her here, you know, to test him, but it should have been so they could uh, accuse her and condemn her and stone her. Right. Um, there was also, I think, um, a tradition maybe that they, they, the accusers are supposed to be the one to push her into the quarry and then be the first ones to throw the stone. Right. And so he says, you who are without sin, throw the first stone to point out that maybe all of the men there have been guilty of the same exact um, breaking of the law. Yeah, Randy. One more time. Okay. Yeah, so Jesus started riding on the ground, which is odd. What did you guys uh, think about that? And I think I missed Nina's comment there. So I'll come back to you. I haven't forgotten. Alan? doesn't really give us information, but I would just say one thing it has taught me is take time to think before you speak. Although he's God and he's saying something fine, it's just like when someone's coming up and they're ready to accuse you, they're ready to attack you, it may be a moment you just need to stoop down and play the dirt. Okay, so he's kind of a, a diversion here. Um, maybe he's thinking about what he's going to do, right? Kind of like I, when you guys ask a hard question, I say, what do you guys think about that? <clears throat> That's me writing in the sand right there. Yeah. Okay, so he's letting their accusation hang maybe to see what what they continue to think about that. Yeah. I didn't write this down, so I'm Googling it really quickly. <clears throat> yes. Um, Things verse 13. Okay. So Jeremiah 17, verse 13 says, Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. So here's God telling Jeremiah that sins are written in the dust. Um, so I did, he, I did listen to one guy, um, a Jewish, my, it's my Jews for Jesus guy that I like to listen to. Um, and he, he's convicted that that's what Jesus was doing. Jesus was taking names, Reuben, yep, adultery, Levi, adultery, and writing their names in the sand. Um, 
There's nothing in the text that indicates that. Uh, the fact that Jesus was writing at all uh, goes to show that he's not a dumb Galilean like all the other illiterate Galileans. Okay, so so I think that was pretty. That's that's a pretty big claim in and of itself is that Jesus was writing um, if he's actually writing. So that's the only place we see Jesus writing, in fact, and which is another textual critic back to textual criticism. Did Jesus know how to write? He wasn't an educated man. Did he have divine literacy? I don't know. Good thoughts. Any anything else? Any anything else from from that uh, story? Yeah. If Jesus knew how to read scripture, he would, know how to write. he would know how to write. Okay, right. Okay, yeah. Yes, um, a lot of people would have gone to, to synagogue um, every week, I think, and they would have heard scripture. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. How, I, I know that illiteracy was uh, was pretty common. Was maybe the norm back then. But that's that's a good point. Nine. Oh, good point. Yeah, so harkens back to another writing on stone, this time the law that she is accused of breaking, right? Good. Awesome. So that was all of 10 minutes of the five that I was going to spend on that text. So, um, those really good thoughts, really good discussion. Let's pick up. Uh, back in John 8 and um, let's start after uh, start in verse 12 if you would stand we'll leave, we'll read um, all the way through verse 30 and then try and try and tackle that chapter 8 verse 12 when Jesus spoke again to the people he said I am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because... I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put, yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? 
Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father, so Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. All right, you can be seated. Okay, a lot happened there. Um, somebody want to summarize what is, is going on, what the dialogue is here? Yeah, yeah, good, good. So yeah, he's, uh, he's, he said that he, it, uh, judges, he himself, uh, he does not pass judgment on, uh, anyone. Um, and he just demonstrated that to an adulterous woman, right? Roy? Yes, thank you. Right. Right, yeah, I was going to bring that out because I noticed that as well. If you're reading, if you're looking at like the Greek, trying to make some connections. Um, <clears throat> verse 24 says, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am, you will indeed die in your sins. That's the way the Greek reads. And that he would be understood if if it weren't there. But this is Jesus saying these things, and as we'll read in a uh, probably um, Sunday, before Abraham was born, I am, right? This is the same thing. Um, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. In verse 28, the Son of Man, uh, when you have lifted him up, you will know that I am and that I do nothing on my own, but just what the Father has taught me. That's well, kind of interesting. Some some commentators that I read said, you can't read too much into that. 
But then when I was looking through, I couldn't find anywhere where he didn't use an object. Even uh, verse 18 says, I am one who testifies for myself. So he uses the direct object there. He doesn't say, I am who testifies for myself. He says, I am he. And there is an object there. But here in verses 24 and 28, there's no object. You have to believe that I am. So that's, that's an interesting observation. What else? Micah? Um, verse 12, seeing the light of the world, we saw that in the very beginning of, uh, of the book. Um, and something that I had, I had seen, if you take out uh, 753 to 811, um, it reads, uh, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has risen out of Galilee. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. We won't go into it, but there is a prophecy in Isaiah 9 where it talks about that a light came out of Galilee, out of darkness. And so you can sort of see a connection there. That good, I did not make that connection. That's really good. I've got to explore that. You said Isaiah 9? Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2. Okay, good, good. And then also verses 6 and 7 uh, sees, uh, describes more of uh, the child being born uh, who's going to be this... Yes, yeah. In the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Beyond The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. Great connection. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty profound. That nothing good comes from Galilee except a light that has dawned. Good. Yeah, Raymond. Right. Good, good. So he's still dropping the breadcrumbs of his crucifixion, right? And he's saying, remember this, I'm going to be lifted up. And they, of course, had no idea what he meant by that. Um, but yet he's, he's doing that. And I do agree that he is, uh, he may, he's, he's maybe walking softly now, but in the next few verses, he's going to start trampling on some toes. So, um, yeah. Other thoughts?
touches, yeah, Bob. He touches on their uh, refusal, even though the law speaks out upon the testimony of two. Right. will not believe him, but yet he offers up testimony that is irrefutable. Uh, he mentions God, which of course, God's testimony of Jesus was in the miraculous works that he was doing. Okay, he yeah. Spoke, and, and Jesus said, Good. Yeah. How else? And that was one of the questions. Um, how else did he did would God be testifying of Jesus? Does that bring anything else to mind? Through the prophets. Okay. Good. Fulfilled prophecies. Good. I thought of this is my son. My beloved son in whom I, whom I am well pleased, right? So it wasn't maybe even something as, um, you know, inferred as prophecy or works, but literally the voice of God from heaven said, this is my son. And there were people there to witness that. Okay. What else? Yeah, Stephanie. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. When you when you exalt Jesus in your own thinking, uh, then you become to even greater knowledge uh, that he is who he says and that he does nothing that the um, without the father's uh, express um, direction. Yeah. Good. So what what connection do you see between him between not being able to go where Jesus goes and then them dying in their sins. Um, I thought that was an interesting, he says, I am verse 21. I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin where I go. Uh, you cannot come. That, that seemed like an odd, uh, combination of ideas to you guys. Any, any connections there? Because I don't, I don't know that I have any, right? There's been that verse about seeking while he can be found, falling while he's near, and I always saw the other side of that was like it seems to me that it's telling us there is going to be a time when he is not, or he is not near, and he's not going to hear you when you call. Right. Yeah. And you're going to want to come to me, but you won't be able to. Yeah. Good. Yeah. The door is shut. You can't get on the ark now. It's too late. John. God as the righteous judge and Jesus as the redeemer. It's like they work together. 
Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. You are from below. I am from above. You are of the world. I'm not. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am, you will indeed die in your sins. No, no, go ahead. I go back to this where he says that I am. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. And Jesus is trying to trying to tell them the moment is now. You guys out of all of human history, you stand before the I am. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Tony? So I'm kind of confused by a lot of this here. Okay. Right. And no matter what he tells them, they, well, they're not going to believe they're going to believe. He says, you're going to, you're not, where I go, you can't come. But then, at the end of this, uh, after he said all these words, that uh, many believed in him. And I'm like, where did, where did all these people come from? What is it about his things here that is so compelling to, that's not compelling to the elite, but is so compelling to maybe the more humble, the more open, Right, yeah. I Good. Know, I didn't know if there was something in particular that anybody picked up. Yeah. Like, so did you guys hear Tony's question? Yeah. It seems like so many are not believing, and he's trying to convince them, and yet he says something here, and verse 30, say, verse 30 says, even as he spoke, many believed in him. So, Leanne. Right. They were, they wanted anyone who wants to do God's will will find out who Jesus is. Right. And so even though he's trying hard to convince people and they seem like they're just not going to cave, there are people there that are intent on doing God's will and they believe. Yeah. Anne-Marie.
Right. Yeah, for sure. There, there are lots of people or there were lots of people teaching lots of things. And, um, I, I think I said this last class, um, the, the picture that I think the chosen has, uh, that TV series has put in my head is, you know, rabbis on various corners teaching their, doing their little thing, trying to get disciples to start studying under them and trying to build up glory for themselves and, and become a great rabbi. Um, and then there's Jesus over here and everyone seems to want to know what he's saying because what he's saying is, sounds nothing like what everybody's heard maybe their whole life going to Jerusalem and hearing all the rabbis trying to say something that will garner some listeners. Um, I don't know if that, yeah, Anne. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So let me. Yeah, Tony. Yeah. You want to answer your own question? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the other thing that he keeps saying over and over is, hey, you're trying to get me to glorify myself. And every time you try and put something on me, I'm going to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just here to glorify my father. I'm here to do what my father says. Everything he's telling me, I'm telling the world. That's what I'm doing here. I'm trying to glorify him. And that is a stark contrast to what you see from the Pharisees seeking the glory. Raymond? Right. Yeah. The gospel is as simple as trying to please God. Right. Sure. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's not a hierarchy that you have to march up the corporate ladder. It's as simple as doing what God says. Now. Uh, let's read the last little bit here and it'll give you something to chew on and then we'll start with this on Sunday. So if you'll stand, um, I want to point out while you're turning back and getting to verse 31, notice that this is to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus says, okay? So these are people who had believed in him. They had believed him. He says, if you hold to my teaching... You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? 
Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you're Abraham's descendants, yet I'm, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in the father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Thank you. You can be seated or dismissed, whatever you want. We'll pick up there on Sunday.